Welcome back, everybody, to the Two Beers Please podcast. Wonderful to have you guys back with us, back with myself, Matthew Phillips-Smith, and of course, my boy, Yannick, talking about everything that happened over the weekend in the sports world. Damn, that intro sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I freaking love it. Freaking love it. Thank you again, Sean, for that. Absolutely love that addition to the to the episodes. Football weather's here. Nice, chilly 65-degree day out. It's the last day of summer. We got week two of the NFL to talk over. A little college football. Of course, Stanley Cup finals have begun. Begun WNBA and NBA playoffs progressing. And Mr. Bryson DeShembo gets his first major win. Yannick, how are we feeling today? I'm feeling great. I love the fall weather. It's my favorite weather. You know, it's the weather you can start to wear my I can start to wear my joggers, my sports joggers out. That's my favorite kind of weather. Jaggers. Jaggers. Got the nice jaggers on. And it's really fun. Yeah, really enjoying myself. Glad to be uh, out of this weekend, you know, just because I was overwhelmed by the amount of sport. I mean, truthfully, I had a day of work in the middle of all this, and I thought I was going to have like a panic attack because I was trying to work my job and pay attention to the U.S. Open and pay attention to football, and then everybody was getting injured. And I truly, like, I was like, I don't know what's going on, and there's too much. But you know, glad to have another respite, you know, before we get back into it. This Monday's kind of calm, enjoying it. Yeah, it is kind of calm. I feel like we've become a broken record of just like, holy shit, there's so many sports, but that's just... Guys, there's so many sports. I mean, when you have like US Open tennis one weekend on the same like finals and the same weekend that the NFL's starting, and then the weekend after that's US Open golf and college football and... UFC and playoffs progressing in the other leagues. It's a lot. It truly is. It's a lot. Yeah. And like next weekend's not going to be any different. We're going to have all the same leagues plus the French Open is starting on Sunday. So there's more tennis. <laughs> so yeah. exciting. And another chance, hopefully, for Serena to maybe, maybe last ditch grab that, that elusive title. But we'll see. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That would be so nice. Uh, I was so hopeful in the U.S. Open, Tiger Woods, his first round. I was like, maybe I was wrong, and I was not wrong. Right? No. <laughs> I was well, not wrong. Fortunately, not. He had a, there's like parts of the first day you're like, oh, dang, Tiger's going to do it. And then you're like, oh, shit. No, he's he's not. Now, the only bad yeah. thing about football being underway is now I have to watch more like CBS, Fox, and NBC. So the political ads that I've already tried to dodge are now even more in the forefront of my viewing experience. And I just, I, I hate political ads on both sides. Like they're not, they're not good. They're not well-made. They're not, I don't understand who this is working on. Like on either side, like there's just like stupid metaphors about like knocking out the competition or just like editing sound bites. I'm like, I, who's watching this commercial and being like, you know what? Yeah. I, they, they convinced me right there. That 30 second clip. I'm in. Right. I mean, at this point, I mean, it's hard for sure because it's you don't really have a choice as a candidate, you know, because y- you ads are always going to be a little. You can make a good ad. Right. But I that I there's, there's I no, nothing in the Constitution about you have to make a shitty political ad because they all are horrible. 
They are all horrible. I just think that there's probably a lot of regulations at this point about what ads can constitute of. Like it might not be in the constitution, but there's probably some rules that we don't know about. And therefore could there possibly be. They have like people like cutting out like editing like things people have said to make them sound like they're I mean, like clearly they don't I don't think there's any rules. They're just not good. Well, there is rules in the sense that like Okay, so Joe Biden can't do what Donald Trump does because he has to maintain that he's not Donald Trump. And Donald Trump can't do what Joe Biden does because he has to stay on the attack as Donald Trump. So, like, we're not going to see any different as is what I'm saying. Like, neither of the candidates are going to do anything other than Joe Biden's going to be like, I'm Joe Biden. And Donald Trump's going to be like, I'm Donald Trump. And so, like, it sucks right, because the there's no... Say that there that is poor. They're not good. Right, but I I just think like I'm done with ads. I don't know if there's a good ad. I've never seen. Have you seen a good political ad ever? Right. No, but I mean I don't like I don't. I am arguing how much I hate poor ads, and you're or not arguing. I'm just saying, and you're arguing that like, well, that's what political ads are, which I'm I understand that part. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just I don't get how they're so bad. Like they have they right. a bunch of money at this stuff. Like why are they? Why are they so bad? And they must sort of work on someone. Like, I'm sure it's like older people that are probably already like stuck in their ways. So I guess that maybe I shouldn't say like work, but the people that are already voting for them are probably like, oh, heck yeah. That was a sick ad. Right. Like, they're not, not good. There's Yeah, there's definitely different ways that they should go about getting getting their names out there. And it's an old thing. Political ads are an outdated thing as well. It's when... We didn't know, you know, the candidates very well. It was like from the 60s where Ike Eisenhower really had to go out there and be like, hey, I should get a little song made about me so people remember who I am when they're voting. Like, that's not needed anymore. We all have social media. We all know every – I know what Joe Biden's butthole looks like at this point, guys. Like, truthfully, like, I don't need an ad about him. Yes. <laughs> like, truthfully. So it's like an outdated – it's an outdated – it's an outdated method of of campaigning, and and that's why I think they're so bad is because they're holding on to that outdated version where it sounds like it's from the sixties. Da 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 da. I don't but like bad boxing metaphors of like I'm going to knock out the competition. That's not from the sixties. Like that, I don't. They're just not very good, but they're not good. We have no, to stick with them for a couple of months, and then other people be like, "Well, man, you got to pay attention to politics." I, I would hope that me paying attention to politics doesn't mean that I need to be watching the commercials of said politicians. As always, make sure you are following us over on the Two Beers Please Facebook page. We've got the Instagram page over at Two Beers Please One Word Two Beers Please underscore podcast, and the Twitter. The number two BP underscore podcast. Make sure you subscribed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, because you don't want to miss a beat of us talking about political ads. Apparently, yeah, apparently. <laughs> you know, guys, as the summer ends and fall begins, whether you like it or not, it's time to start Christmas shopping. And the last thing you want is an unhappy child under the tree at Toys R Us. They have everything that your kid wants from overpriced plastic that will surely break or overpriced cardboard that is bound to be destroyed or just be smart and get them whatever Xbox, PlayStation or Nintendo came out this week so that you can, so they can go downstairs and play, leaving you alone with your alcoholic beverage. 
Toys R Us, don't ever grow up. Oh, Matthew, you're going to be a great father. <laughs> yeah, oh, I am. Oh, boy. Too soon. Toys R Us, RIP. That is, oh. there's the old, like the old, you know, the little like strip mall things. So there was the Toys R Us that we had in Des Moines. And I think I think there is something there now. But for a while, and it was just like barren. It was so sad. And even driving by it now with the, the new, I don't even know what it is. It's probably like a fabric store. It's always some fabric store. Damn fabric stores taking the toy stores away. But I, I love Toys R Us. I want to see a political ad about those damn fabric stores. Yeah. That's what I want. That's That'll get not, not enough talk about these fabric stores ruining the ch- <laughs> the childhoods of our yeah of our children. These bastards. All right, Pete. is true. All right, Jan, we're making our way down to the pub. What are you sipping on today? Today I've got a nice. One might say tall boy. It is a bit burger. Uh, it is a German beer. And uh, the thing that I most know about the Bitburger is that uh, its slogan, uh, it used to be the Germany national team slogan. And it was Bitte ein Bit, which is please a bit. And it works in both German and English, just happens to. So that's really cool. And it's a Bitburger Pilsner. And I'm going to open it right here. Give me a sec. Let's get that. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That was a nice Ooh. one. Let's try it here. Oh, that's delicious. That is delicious. That, that just sound. I mean, that was just a good... Mm. I feel like you should be made to uh, drink only German beers. I think that's my thing from now on. I yeah. think it's I, I've pigeonholed myself into well, that. Not, now. I mean, it's not a bad pigeonhole to be in. It's a pretty you're good, right. Pretty good spot to to make yourself like, oh darn, only only German beers. I got a, a Stone IPA rocking, which I don't know if you've had Stone before, but they make a particularly good IPA. Not too hot, nice and strong. I was looking them up. They're, they're going to be around for twenty five years next year. So. Nice work. Good for you, Stone. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. And I'm drinking it out of my Packers mug from my mm. good friend Ionic, my official victory mug. Two there you go. There you go. All right, Jan, let's move on over to our question of the day. Of all the different leagues, competitions, sports, what have you, that have come back into action in the last, you know, four months or so, everything from – U.S. Open golf to college football to WNBA playoffs, what have you. Out of them all, which one, in your opinion, has done the best considering safety, actual play on on the court field, and also just kind of the makeup of of the competition? Yeah, so I came – I kind of have a two-part answer to this question. If we're talking worldwide, there's some other things we have to take into account, right? In terms of worldwide sport action, you can't not pick the German Bundesliga. I mean, look at them. Germany closed immediately. They got back the earliest. They finished their season with time to get ready for the next, plus time for the team still involved in the Champions League to not be playing back-to-back-to-back. You had a good season, a, 
a good season in terms of everybody not having to cancel. There were no fans allowed. Germany as a country handled the pandemic well. And now you're looking and there's some fans being allowed in the games and it's going to go up and up and up. And yeah, they've just handled all of it really well. So the Bundesliga is kind of my pick. However, I also understand that that's more of a country thing. I mean, the leadership in Germany reacted to the coronavirus far better than the leadership in the United States. That's just the truth. And so if we're talking, let's go inside the U.S. where everybody was kind of dealing with the same shit. I'm going to go with the National Hockey League. I mean, they closed pretty early on. You know, they always seem to be on their like 17-step plan towards reentry. They had a good round robin and and play and match situation going on that was exciting to watch. So it didn't feel like we're just playing these games for nothing, which I thought was really great. You know, it was an exciting twist almost that they got out of the whole situation. And they haven't had to go back to back to back like the NBA sometimes has in terms of like really not having any room for error. So I really like it. They've been done really well. And now we have a Stanley Cup final that's exciting and well contested. So I'm going to go with the NHL there. Yeah, I think, I mean, as you say, the each sport, each country, each region, each whatever, all has their own difficulties that they had to face with. I, I mean, certainly I think the European soccer leagues did a good job with safety. Um, a little easier to, you know, contain it in a smaller amount of area and such. But, um, so yeah, I mean, the soccer leagues probably did the best as far as safety. And I, I get it's tough for them to really like change up the play to make it more exciting, especially in seasons where it's, you know, you just play each team twice and you get the best, whoever has the most points wins. I did like the European competitions going to, to a one game playoff. I, I thought that made for a little bit more of an exciting twist as, uh, as also like just logically being a smart decision. You know, the WNBA and NBA have, have done a great job, I think, of creating exciting play. And I think, you know, adding the that like extra – bubble game or kind of playing game where we got the, the Blazers and, and the Grizzlies that made that more exciting, but they could only do, you know, so much themselves because like seed seven through one are fine. So it like creates a little bit of an exciting scenario of, of teams having to compete till the end because there were, I mean, the Suns were, were in there, the Spurs were in there till the end, not quite the same for the East, but the basketball certainly has been more exciting than the regular season. I think the NHL for me as well has been has been the best. Um, I think they've been smart with their their safety. I think like the the two dub two bubbles I think kind of helped make it even easier on them and, and it allowed them to bring you know twenty four teams into the playoff, which I thought was just a terrific idea. I mean, you got the seeds five through twelve playing in a little five games ser- knockout round series, and the seeds one through four you know kind of doing the World Cup esque seeding games. It provided so many storylines. It provided, as you said, made made every game mean something. Because even if you're, you know, the Bruins, they were the one seed in the East, one best team in the regular season, but didn't perform as as they probably should have in in those seeding games. They ended up getting the three seed and and knocked out by the Lightning. Who knows if they'd shown up, maybe gotten the one seed instead of the Flyers, what what these playoffs would look like. Yeah. But I thought it was just a really Smart way to do it. You know, you had Montreal and Chicago, both 12 seeds, making it to the, the normal knockout rounds. You had the Islanders run to the Eastern Conference Finals as the sixth seed. They started as the seventh seed. Uh, now we have the Lightning Stars battling for their second Stanley Cup. So I think the NHL has done – there's a really unique way of, of having the the 
competition go down and also have, has have certainly kept it safe for their players. I definitely agree. Yeah, they've it's been exciting to watch and playoff hockey already is exciting to watch. So it's just added a little extra layer of excitement on top of it. And yeah, I mean, every team had a chance, you know, even the Blackhawks who didn't make it on, you know, had that chance to 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 move forward. And it was just exciting to watch every single game, uh, every single series, I'll say. So, yeah. And I mean, who would have thought, you know, the Dallas Stars might not be where they are. I mean, the Lightning probably still would be because they're like a favorite team. But the Dallas Stars got the chance, you know, against the Golden Knights with everything that happened. And you saw what happened. So really happy that the NHL got their playoffs the way they did. I agree. NBA, WNBA shortly behind them also did really well. Obviously better than the MLB for sure. Yeah, I think the MLB is a, is an interesting one to, to look at because they've certainly had – out of the, the major leagues, the most issues postponing games and having several teams be hit with the virus. I will, you know, meet you and me talked about this earlier, kind of off the recording. I, I have been impressed with the MLB's ability to when a team has gotten an infection, they, they've done a good job of, of really locking it down and making sure there hasn't been a league wide spread. You know, it stays with within that team. It, it seems like, so I've, I've been impressed with their ability to, restrain any sort of spread throughout their league even though there have been positive tests um and at the same time i think i, I think it was very smart of them to be like okay for the playoffs we've got 16 te- 16 teams we got to go into some bubbles for this so i think i mean i applaud them for you know taking a look at at everything and taking a look at taking a look at the whole landscape and making those decisions to make it smarter and, and smoother for them and their players Right, exactly. And the only thing left for them to do is prove that they can do a bubble like the NBA, you know, and and really kind of have the rules in place necessary so that the bubble doesn't become a breeding ground as well. And yeah, I I think, especially with all the early cancellations, not so much lately, I think they're doing the best they can. And I mean, we have some good fucking teams ready to battle for the MLB, and we'll talk about that later. But I'm excited. It's a good season. It's a good, good season. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I don't want to. I don't want to get too much into it now because we will talk about it later. But it should be an exciting, exciting MLB playoffs this year. Oh, I love it! Absolutely. All right, Jan. Let's let's make our way over. It's the second week of NFL action. Teams starting to show what they got. Other teams showing what they don't have and being a little bit disappointing. Watch oh boy! Games. We'll go over what happened this weekend throughout the NFL. Right. Well, we have to start out with the main point of my fantasy football disparaging play. Uh, The Giants against the Bears. The Bears winning their second game. The Chicago Bears. They're 2-0. Mitchell Trubisky threw two touchdowns. You know, he obviously threw some interceptions as well. But that wasn't the story. The big story was the Bears' defense, was David Montgomery, and of course was the loss of Saquon Barkley, not just in this game, but for the rest of the season. The Bears' defense looks good. I mean, they look like they're ready to hold over that defensive title from the other year that they were supposed to be so good. This year, they're like, oh, they're middle of the pack. They looked good. Four sacks, five QB hits, two eight-tackle games from Eddie Jackson and Roquan Smith. Looking really good. You know, really held the Giants in check. Obviously, Saquon's injury made it a little harder, but Daniel Jones is not like a pedestrian quarterback, so... You know, I think that they did really well to hold him in check as well. David Montgomery kind of looks like the focal point of that 
offense at this point. You know, we already knew that, but his injury coming in made us doubt it. 82 yards on the ground on 16 carries, three receptions for 45 yards and touchdown as well. I think the Bears, especially Mitchell Trubisky, should ride him out for the rest of the season if they want to keep this kind of, uh, you know, push going. And I, you know, the, the thing is, you know, Saquon Barkley missed three games last season with an ankle injury. Now he tears his ACL, will miss the rest of the season. It's his only, it's only his third NFL season, you know, and he did have such a good first season and a good second season, even with those missed games. But it, it does worry you, you know, what, what's going to happen in the future, you know, where his future lies in all of that. He's obviously a top running back threat and a top running back receiving threat, uh, which is mostly important for Danny Dimes. Uh, but doesn't matter anymore. They're going to have to do it without him. He is out for the season with an ACL tear and the bears are two and oh, and that's what matters. And, and, you know, say what you want about Mitchell Trubisky. He's better than the Vikings. He's better than the lions. He's the number two team in his division. And that's what counts. Giants are Oh, and two a little unfairly considering how well they played against the Steelers defense and how well, you know, they could have played against the bears with Saquon still there, but that's how it stands. Bears win 17 to 13. Now let's move on to another game that had some injuries. The 49ers beating the Jets 31 to 13. Yes. You know, the, the, the Jets are awful. They are the worst team in football. We said that last week. And they just prove it to us again and again. Let me talk to you about the injuries that the 49ers had. Raheem Moistert. Jimmy Garoppolo, Joey Bosa, Solomon Thomas, they already didn't have George Kittle, and the Jets still couldn't get within a touchdown of the 49ers? I mean, they had freaking nobody. I mean, what did, what, did, what did the 49ers have to do to give the Jets more of a chance? But they're terrible, and they're getting Trevor next year. They just are. They just are. You know what I'm saying? And they, you know, there was one play where they let Jarek McKinnon convert on a third and 31 and that just summed up the season for me for the Jets. They're gonna they might not win a game. They truly sums might not win franchise. a game. Yeah, sums up the franchise, truthfully. Yeah. Sums up the franchise. Hopefully they get their quarterback. Sorry for Sam Darnold. You'll go somewhere else and you'll be great. You don't need them either. Um another storyline, Jordan Reed caught two touchdowns for the 49ers. Did you know he was playing for the 49ers? I didn't know he was playing for the 49ers. <laughs> I thought concussions had killed him. But somehow he's still playing. Good for him. I'm happy. You know, he's a great target. And so good for him. But yeah, the 49ers, the story of this is they get the win. They're one and one. Good for them. Jets are 0-2. But they have a lot of injuries. And not only a lot of injuries, but a lot of injuries that seem like they're long-term. And, you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo one is obviously one to talk about. I'm not saying that my prediction was 100% right, but... I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be the starting quarterback next week, right? And it's week three, right? <laughs> I mean, I it didn't happen the way that I thought, but, you know, he's going to be on the bench. So that's something. I'm not wrong. Right. And, uh, right. I'll, 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 find him, right? I'll take that for a hot take. I'll take that, that loophole any day. But Jimmy Garoppolo, but I even don't think it's that. Joey Bosa and and Solomon Thomas. I mean, those are big losses on the on the defense. You know, top picks. Um, can George Kittle come back and kind of revive them? Maybe Raheem Moistert, obviously injured as well. And especially in a tough, tough division, 
that they have to play in, you know, with the Cardinals performing like they are, with the Seahawks performing like they are, with the Rams performing like they are, it it it, it becomes almost week two is like, I don't know if they can make it. I don't. And they're one and one. You know, that's hard to say for a one and one team in two weeks, but it's going to be really hard. I hope that the injury bug doesn't hit them anymore because then they're really going to be out of contention. Uh, speaking of the Rams, it's the last one I'll talk before I swing it over to you. Rams beat the Eagles 37 to 19. I mean, the Rams look good. They looked good against the Cowboys, but we thought that was the Cowboys choking. They look good. They just look good. Goff looked better. He had three touchdowns on only 20 passes. Tyler Higby became that tight end for him. You know, he's got two touchdowns. I honestly think if you are the Rams, if you're Sean McVay, you're saying, okay, Jared Goff, I know you're not great, but you're good. Throw it to Tyler Higby in the red zone. That's all I want from you. Throw it to Tyler Higby. Catch Cooper Cup on an out route every once in a while. Let the three-back running back system figure it out, and we'll be fine because their defense is good. They're holding it out. You know, they got that running back carousel with Henderson, Brown, and Akers. Obviously, Malcolm Brown doing so well last last week. And now Daryl Henderson's the running back. Obviously, Akers getting injured. I think he is the best talent, but we shall see. They got lots of options. But, I mean, as good as the Rams were, right, and their defense played well. You know, Micah Kaiser for the Rams had 16 tackles, 11 solo tackles. He was all over the place. I mean, they were really, really good. But let's talk about the Eagles. Carson Wentz looked devoid of ideas. I mean, he went 26 and from of 43 with two interceptions. He ran in the score fine. But 26 of 43 with two interceptions and you're supposed to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the league, supposedly. What? What? No, you're not. This is the same question I have of Baker Mayfield. Maybe he's just not that good anymore. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You know, Deshaun Jackson was the Eagles top receiver. Yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. He's old. He can't be your top receiver. You know, Miles Sanders played good. 20 carries, 95 yards, a touchdown. Maybe they become a running team now, honestly, with Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. Maybe that's the the way. You have a good rush defense. Maybe They've that's how you go. That's, that's, that's the need to be. Right. And, and, especially, and especially they can change their game plan now because the NFC East is still highly contestable. Washington, you know, lost and, and the Giants are still down and now without their top running back, you know, and, and, and the Cowboys are obviously on the up and we'll talk about that. But... You know, they they can still make it. You know, 0-2 is not the end for the Eagles, but they have to change something. And it's obvious that putting the ball in Carson Wentz's hand, even if it's 43 times, is not the answer. So what is the answer? They'll have to figure that out. Rams are 2-0. Eagles are 0-2. Somehow look worse than the Giants, even with all their injuries. But luckily for them, the NFC East, highly contestable. Yeah, it is. That. That certainly helps when you've got Dallas. I mean, Dallas is one and one, but they're one and one by the friggin' hair of their sleeve. I mean, they're they should not be one and one. And Redskins are one and one, or Washington's one and one. Gosh, that that is a weird change. Um, so it's not like you know the division's away from them so far, but not. I mean, not a great start for the Eagles. Especially Do you think the Giant? Yeah, I think you're looking at that start of the season as a Philly fan, probably, okay, we'll take down Washington. And then we got the Rams at home. We can beat the Rams at home. Like we two and oh, and now oh and two and not neither law, like both loss losses bring up a lot of worry. Like, it's not like, dang, like we had like two tough losses and we're on to like lost on the last play, what have you, like games where I mean, one, they should have won that they just threw down the drain and one against the Rams, or the Rams are just the better team for 60 minutes. 
Right. They were. They were just the better team. That's so right. How? What do you think of – I got two questions for you before you move on to your games. What do you think the Giants' chances are without Saquon Barkley? Because they didn't look awful. You know, they, they're not awful without him. Obviously, he is their star. But how do you see the Giants now? 0-2, what do you think they go to? Like, what do you – what do you see for them this season? Because they're still in the NFC East, which is contestable. Yeah, it is. But I think I think it might, it might be nice because Daniel Jones was like, all right, Daniel Jones, like we're, we're going to throw the ball with you a lot more now probably because there's no – I mean, you're not, you're not going to run the ball as much without Saquon. I don't – I think the season looks about the same. I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think they were going to do that much with Saquon. And I think the talent around Saquon isn't there yet. Where like so many teams were going to key on him anyway, where losing him isn't going to be as, as much of a, you know, massive thing. And like, they're just, it's not a team that's like had a lot of expectations. Like, all right, we're going to go in the season and do well and really make a, make a statement. And so I think, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see it making much of a impact plus or minus. Okay. And second of all, the Rams are two and O and an impressive two and O over the Cowboys and the Eagles, two teams that everybody had pretty high in their preseason ratings. Obviously both of these teams, you know, in their games came out flat. The Cowboys came out flat. The Eagles came out even flatter, but where do you rank the, the Rams in terms of, I mean, they're two and oh, they're right up there with those other two teams in their division. They're, they're obviously not as talented, but what do you think their chances are with a good defense and with Jared Goff, who's making less mistakes? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I put them above Arizona right now um, and probably right neck and neck with, with Seattle. I mean, you, you know, they don't have a Russell Wilson and that makes a, a quite a big difference, but they got the offense kind of back to what they were doing when, you know, they made that Super Bowl run they're running the ball well. They play action. Robert Woods is playing really, 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 really well. Cooper Cup is a great receiver. Obviously, you mentioned Higby in, in the big game he had yesterday. So they're getting back to like I. I it's kind of like you know Jerry Goff. It's kind of like the Baker Mayfield thing where like Jerry Goff's not going to be Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Like he just isn't going to be. But he can be a serviceable first overall pick and take you places if you let him do the stuff he's good at and put him in positions where he's gonna like do do his best and like you don't you don't want to ask him what you ask Kyler Murray to do or what you ask Aaron Rodgers to do you know um and I think the Rams are getting back to that and making his life easier where I, I think right now they I mean and then you got Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on, on the defensive side of the ball their linebackers aren't great but those two guys you know can cover up a lot of deficiencies so I, I think they're certainly a Super Bowl contender um especially if you I mean if you get out of the NFC West at all it's going to be tough Right. I mean, I think it all comes down to coaching. It almost seems like, how are they this good? You know, they don't seem like they have, but like we underestimate Jared Goff. We underestimate Robert Woods and they have three running backs that could all be starters at any point. So I think that becomes really interesting. And obviously they still have Cooper Cup. They have Tyler Higbee. They've got all that defensive power, Aaron Donald, obviously. So I love the Rams as well. And I agree. I think people are under underestimating them as a Super Bowl contender. For sure. I mean, I think you see a lot of times those teams that like make a Super Bowl and then take that step back the year after. And then, and people after that step back, people kind of forget about them. But the Rams certainly on offense are still a young team and and have weapons to be one of the better teams in the NFC. 
As far as the NFC, one of the other teams that's looking pretty sharp so far, my Green Bay Packers mentioned they got a win earlier, 42-21 to 21 victory over division rival Detroit. It's another big offensive day, day for the Pack, uh, another 40 spot on a division rival, two touchdown throws for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Jones, though, was the real, the real Aaron star of this game. I had no idea why people in fantasy – had him not in the top 10. I mean, the guy was, was one of the best fantasy players last year. I don't know if people thought he had lost a leg or something, but I, he got no fantasy love at the start of this year. And whoever has him on the team is quickly being rewarded for it. 168 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, caught four passes for 68 yards and a touchdowns. I mean, just an absolute beast in both the passing game and the running game. Dan Orlovsky on Get Up today said the Packers have the best offensive line in the NFL. I don't know if that's true, but if it's close to true and they can get that running game going that you know LaFleur wants to, if you've got a team that can run the ball as effectively as the Packers did yesterday and then your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers, that's a tough team to stop. stop. Um, Devontae Adams did lead the game early. But he wasn't technically ruled out, so a little optimism. There hasn't really been a definitive word yet on whether it's a significant injury or not. Yannick, yesterday, the Packers' 42-21 to win was only the second time ever that the Packers have started the season with two straight wins scoring over 40 points. The other time it occurred was in 1919. The Packers', the Packers official first season – as a football team, they beat the Menemone North End 53 to 0 and the Marinette Northerners 61 to 0. I don't even think they were in, technically in the NFL yet when they did that. So that sounds like the little FL. Since, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since they've accomplished it. And you know, the Lions, it's, uh, it's not looking good. Patricia's seat is not getting any cooler. I mean, I know that that was a team that had a lot of deficiencies, but he hasn't done enough as a coach to to make up for those said faults that they have. And, you know, tough loss week one to Chicago, and then you go and get shellacked by your other division rival in a game that I thought was going to be close. All right, Ravens 33, Texans 16. The Ravens showing the NFL that they are the best team right now, picking up right where they left off last year. Lamar doing what he does. I think if anything, he just looks more ease in that pocket. This thing, I mean, it it just looks easy to him. It's terrifying to watch. They're still running the ball with him well. He got over 50 yards, passed for over 200. The running attack was was tough with Edwards, with J.K. Dobbins, with Mark Ingram. They're going to throw a bunch of different guys at you in that running game. And the Texans got a lot to figure out. Next week, they got to go to Pittsburgh. They're already 0-2. They do have the benefit, like the NFC East. They got the benefit of playing in the AFC South. But the Titans are already 2-0. And I think now you start wondering, I mean, look, I, I understand the Texans have a tough opening slate. You got the defending champs and the Chiefs. You got the Ravens, the team with the best record last year. And now you get have to play Pittsburgh Steelers. Best defense in the NFL, maybe. And a recovered, revamped. Ben Roethlisberger. So I understand that that three-game slate is tough. 
And 0-3 against those teams doesn't seem that bad. But the Texans aren't a team trying to rebuild. This isn't a team that's trying to, to make it. They're supposed to be there right now. They're supposed to be able to compete with the top in the AFC. And through two games, they've gotten absolutely beat down. You got Deshaun Watson signed on that four-year deal. He's not going anywhere. They're not going to trade him. And he's not the kind of guy to grumble. But I'll tell you what, Deshaun Watson's not going to sit there for the next four years with Bill O'Brien as the coach and these kind of results coming up. Bill O'Brien, per Sports Illustrated, a Bill O'Brien-led offense has finished in the top 15 in passing yards only once in the NFL, and that was the 2011 Patriots. He's not making it through the end of the year. I'm telling you right now, when the Texans start their season next year, Deshaun Watson will have a new head coach. I agree. If they want to keep him in Texas, you know, they they have to get rid of the coach. And, you know, you talked about them not being a rebuilding team. And you know why they're in the position they are in right now? Because they made a rebuilding move. You don't trade away Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins unless you're rebuilding. And you don't have, you know, you're ready to move on. And they weren't. They need him now more than ever. And... You know, he's in Arizona enjoying the, the enjoying his freaking life, you know, and well, I think that I think they traded him away because they didn't want to pay him. They thought David Johnson would be a good addition to the running game. And I think they felt confident about other guys. But worst decision, decision I've seen. Yeah. Worst decision Bad. of the year. Yeah. Bill O'Brien should not be allowed to head up an organization ever again. Truthfully, that's my take for the year. Right. And he's not even like he, the guy's not a great co- coach. He's a horrible GM. He's a horrible GM. I don't know how this guy is, how he's being allowed to make these decisions. Uh, it's it's a conundrum, and you're going to waste one of the best talents in the league in Deshaun Watson. And you're you know you're going to wonder what the hell could have been if we would have had a fine coach. Right, exactly. And then we'll go over to the AFC East, Yannick's division. Don't worry, I'm not going to steal his thunder and, and take the Patriots game from him. Bills 31, Dolphins 28. Has Josh Allen been the best quarterback in the league through two weeks? He's first in yards at 729, tied at second with six touchdowns, and I think most importantly probably for him, zero interceptions so far. Competition certainly has been wanting. You know, he's yeah, beaten the come Dolphins. On. He's beaten the Jets. He, you know, he's not playing top-of-the-line teams by any means, and he only beat the Dolphins by three. But the, the Bills are 2-0. He looks good. I mean, he's not going out there and he's struggling. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And they certainly feel like the AFC East favorite. With the defense that they have, he really doesn't have to do that much. But he does seem improved. Him and Stephon Diggs are are getting along great. It's the weapon that that Josh Allen needed. I know Minnesota's getting a lot of heat for that one. That one I don't see. I don't think that one's the same as, like, the Hopkins trade. Absolutely not. Diggs and Cousins, like – Sometimes, sometimes a, a player can be traded somewhere else and then explode and do great, and people are like, oh, man, they shouldn't have given him away. But the player wasn't going to do the same thing for you as they are for this team because for, for a myriad of reasons. But, like, Stephon Diggs was not happy in Minnesota. He didn't have a good relationship with Cousins. He didn't have – I mean, it just – it wasn't working. So I, I don't knock and, – and Minnesota's struggles right now are not because they don't have Stephon Diggs. So I, I don't knock Minnesota as hard as, as the Texans as far as like the Hopkins, Stephon Diggs trades, but it's worked out so far for Buffalo. Josh Allen has them 2-0, and we'll see. I mean, I think, I think we're all still waiting for Bill's New England. I mean, New England's had a stranglehold on that division for so, so, so long. I mean, two decades that 
until we really see the Bills kind of dethrone them, so to speak, it still feels like New England's division. But right now, I would say the Bills are the favorite. Yannick, what else you got for us from the NFL? Yeah, so, let, I mean, let's take it back. You know, let's take it back to the NFC. And we had an NFC South battle this weekend as well. Now, tell me, you know, Tom Brady played bad the first game. He made some mistakes. Bruce Arians blamed him for the mistakes, which was not something that people were expecting. But how was Bruce Arians' team going to react to this opening loss against the Saints? How were they going to react? Well, they reacted with a win, 31-17, to against another rival, the Carolina Panthers, within their division. Tom Brady gets his first victory as a Buccaneer. It was not convincing. 217 yards of the air, one touchdown, one interception. Is that what they were hoping for? I don't think so. But, you know, he did get the win. That's what's important. Leonard Fournette found his groove, 103 yards and 12 carries and two touchdowns. Can he hold it up? Can he become that main running back? Perhaps we shall see. Teddy Bridgewater threw for a yard a yard, but he also threw two interceptions. Christian McCaffrey, obviously a big story in this one, scored two touchdowns, gets injured, will be out four to six weeks with an injury. Panthers should be worried. I mean, they have Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, but basically Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to throw his way out of this one without McCaffrey for four to six weeks. And by the time McCaffrey comes back, they might be out of play off contention already. So, you know, it, it does become a little bit of an issue for... Carolina can Teddy Bridgewater do with his hands without Christian McCaffrey they have receivers but and he's been throwing well but you know they just they they look weak they look again kind of like the Eagles devoid of ideas sometimes this was a coming out party for Mike Evans you know was injured the first week people said you know is he the same player but with Chris Godwin out he took over 104 yards and a touchdown through the air and let's talk about the Bucks defense they're good five sacks you know, two players with 10-plus tackles, two interceptions, two fumbles, two, 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 two. They look good. They do look really good. Obviously, the Panthers helped them out. But Bucks defense is something you can hang your hat on in an otherwise unconvincing win, even if it was by a good margin. Just Tom Brady didn't play well. And you got Tom Brady to make this offense the scariest Art one of the league. Falcons and guess what? Ass? They're not even the top 10 of the scariest offenses in the league. Right. And that's not what but you like. It, I, I, I mean... So... It just, be it, it just kind of confuses me about what they want to do in Tampa Bay. But they are one and one for now. Panthers be are one and one. We, I mean, I'm just like, if they were one and one right now, I don't think we'd be You know, especially because, you know, it just matters that they get the win. Because let's talk about it. The Falcons are ass. The Panthers are ass. Special teams lost them. You know, the only, the, only the Saints are good. The Falcons defense is ass enough to make it to. They're going to be tough. I, offensively, they can hang with any freaking team. Don't get me wrong. But we wouldn't be saying, but the fact that their defense lost them two straight games, it almost doesn't matter how good their offense is, is what I'm saying. That's fair. Fair, fair, fair. But but I'm saying they got two teams in there that have things to figure out defensively. So it is important to get the wins where you can. Bucks are one and one. Panthers are zero and two. NFC South looking like an interesting battle. Can the Saints get the win against the Raiders tonight? We shall see. I don't know that it's so. Cl- I don't know that it's so. You know, locked and loaded for the Saints. We shall see. Uh, let's go to the.
the Cardinals. We talked about them earlier. They got a 30-15 to 15 victory over the Washington football team. That's still weird to say, but I'm saying it because that's what they're called. 30-15. to 15. Kyler Murray was immaculate again. He threw for 286 yards and a touchdown. He ran in two more scores. I mean, damn, this kid is good. Hopkins, another good, you know, outing as a receiver, 68 yards receiving, one touchdown. You know, Washington honestly didn't do too badly. Like Dwayne Haskins didn't throw any picks. You know, Antonio Gibson emerged as the top Washington running back. You know that we know he can be with 13 carries and 55 yards and a touchdown. Terry McLaurin looking good, 125 yards in the air and one touchdown. You know, the, the truth is, though, the Arizona D is just as good. They got two 10-plus tacklers, four sacks, two fumble recoveries. That makes Arizona dangerous, especially with what they can do on the offensive side. You know, Washington is 1-1. One one. Again, in a contestable NFC East, they're not out of it. In fact, they're tied at the top. So, you know, it, it, it is something that they can build on. And the fact that Dwayne Haskins didn't lose this game for Washington, you know, is a good thing. That's, like, a very good thing you can hang your hat on. And the NFC West is hot. I mean, Cardinals are 2-0 and a hot NFC West. They're going to have to continue to win to keep up with Seattle, to keep up with the Rams. But they are there right now, you know, and... Kyler Murray looks like a top five quarterback right now, and it is just very, very exciting to watch. And finally, let's talk about the game of the week. And this might be contestable, but it's definitely the most exciting game and the highest scoring game. It is the Falcons versus the Cowboys. The Falcons were up by 20 points in the first quarter. 20 points, Matthew. 20 points, a two hundo. It was crazy. And and somehow they lose 40 to 39. Now I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Dak Prescott, come back Dak. Obviously it was amazing to watch. You know, they rallied from 20 points down in the first quarter, 15 points down with eight minutes left in the game. They somehow come back to win. Dak Prescott did it himself, ran in three touchdowns, single-handedly beat me in fantasy this week, had 450 yards through the air with the throwing touchdown, C.D. Lamb had a coming out party, 106 yards receiving. Good for him. They won on a 46-yard field goal as time expired by none other than Greg the Leg Zerline. You know, Matt Ryan played really well. No interceptions, which usually you see when the Falcons kind of lose leads like this. But no interceptions, 273 yards through the air and four touchdowns. Calvin Ridley came out as a top receiver. But you don't want your top receiver, your actual top receiver, Having two catches for 24 yards. That was Julio Jones. Two catches for 24 yards. Michael Gallup had more than that, guys. Come on. And so the Falcons lose 40-39. They're 0-2, and they they should be embarrassed because they could have won both those games easily, and they didn't. And it, it just kind of... It, it, it does say something as good as the offense looks, you know, as good as Todd Gurley has come back, as good as Calvin Ridley has been through the air. I mean, two touchdowns, 109 yards receiving. He looks like he's coming out to be the Alabama star again. You know, you have to ask, does it matter? Does it matter how good their defense, their offense, yeah, that was, that their uh, defense is going to give up like that? that? I mean, you think after game a Super Bowl week. embarrassment like they went through, Falcons they were, were focused on 39 defense. to 24. Oh, no, they're just five minutes doing ago. it. 
and doing it and doing it and doing it. And it's just it's sixteen points that they're zero and two right now with how many points they scored in the five minutes to get the win. Mostly, I mean, back in business, they probably shouldn't have been in this situation one in the first place. But what were the Falcons players doing on that onside kick? Like, I, I think I. You have to wonder if if the shortened preseason and and all of that had an impact on that because it looked like they thought they couldn't touch the ball. Like it looked like they thought they were like the kicking like Dallas, and they're like, "Oh, if we touch it, it'll be offsides." Like, no, like just fall on it. What are you guys watching? Like, it was a great kick by Zerloin, but it shouldn't have been recovered by Dallas. Like, what I so no yeah, idea. I wonder. No if that's, idea. I mean, because that's one of those it's one of those plays you don't think about a lot and I, I wonder if with the shortened practice with this the shortened off season that they've had if that was just one of those plays that and I'm sure they've been over it but but not as much as you you might like because they fell asleep at the wheel as, as that ball was just sitting literally right in front of them all um and Calvin Ridley killing it Ooh, man, that's tough. I would say uh, Yeah. I think I st- I think I still Calvin put Ridley Rogers Rogers I mean, in front of him it, it right now. It looks good for him. That's Rogers good for the Falcons playing. to have a receiver. You hope to get Julio um, Jones more involved, obviously. Gosh, you else? But I don't uh yeah, where do you rank Kyler Murray list, mate. quarterbacks? Maybe Deshaun still, just because Deshaun has a little more experience. You obviously, I I think it's pretty clear to say you have but Lamar. I, mean, I, and I would Patrick take him over Wentz for sure. I think right now I would maybe but take him over. How many that. quarterbacks That's a tough one but ahead of him? Then I'd probably put him like six or seven in the NFL right now. He's yeah, and that could change. I mean, because through two games he's looked great. Like if he does this all season, I think my. You know, my thoughts of him could could change. He could certainly get up higher. Um, obviously, the guy's got a pretty big ceiling, considering it's only his second year in the NFL. Right. I mean, that's yeah, crazy. Absolutely. To me. Speaking of one of those great quarterbacks, the Chiefs survive a divisional battle against the Los Angeles Chargers, twenty three to twenty in overtime. You know, it's a game that honestly is all about the losing team's quarterback. Tyrod Taylor ruled out just before the game, which meant that Mr. Justin Herbert was yeah, thrust. Yeah, it's very clear that he's into something his up and first coming. It's going to be NFL exciting to watch, start now that he's got for the Chargers. And gosh, the guy did great. I mean, so far you're talking about Joe Burrow and, and now Herbert that have played out of the first round quarterbacks from this year, and both of them have looked really, really strong. I was, I was extremely impressed with Herbert, um, you know, the six overall pick, he, he showed, showed that athleticism that he, he really showed. I mean, we talked about it when we, you know, talked about the draft. He really showed a lot of that athleticism in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. We saw that yesterday for the Chargers. He, he ran for a score. He's got great size. He's got a can of, of an arm, 311 yards, one touchdown. He did throw a pick, but, you know, I mean, his first start, he's a rookie. He's going up against the Super Bowl champions, which I think also kind of helped. I think it – you know, it, it happens so happenstance 
Like it wasn't like all week we were talking about, all right, Justin Herbert's getting his first start against the Chiefs. Like he just kind of got thrown into it um, and thrown against one of the best teams in the NFL. So it felt like he like not having that time to like sit and worry. Like they just threw him onto the field and he just played football. And I was I was very impressed. It's his job now. I don't see, think there's any way you can can go back to Tyrod Taylor. Um, and the Chargers, you know, it, they they looked impressive uh, against the Chiefs. You know, they barely got a win against the the Bengals. Pardon me, and could have lost that with a if the uh, if Randy Duncan doesn't miss a field goal to send it into overtime. But they looked strong yesterday. They used time of possession against Kansas City. The Chargers almost had 11 minutes more, more of the ball than KC, but even keeping the ball out of Mahomes' hands didn't work. Chiefs were able to get a win. 300 yards, two touchdowns from Patrick Mahomes on a day where he wasn't extremely accurate, only 27 for 47 throwing the ball. But sometimes, especially when you're the when you're the king, and I mean, you'll know this as a Patriots fan, Jan, sometimes you just got to win. It doesn't always have to be pretty, especially in a divisional game like that. Like, yeah, 23-20 against the Chargers isn't, you're not going to remember it 10 years down the line as a Chiefs fan, but when you're the champion, just winning is all that matters sometimes. Uh, also in the AFC, the Steelers moved to 2-0. Mentioned them earlier as they play the Texans this coming week. They were able to win 26-21 to against the Denver Broncos. Uh, this one really for the Broncos was all about Drew Locke. Knocked out early in the game, knocked out after their second drive. So backup Jeff Driscoll, the ex-Florida Gator, came in. And played very, very well for the Broncos. I mean, as you can tell from the scoreline, 26-21, this one was not a runaway for the Steelers. The Broncos would not go away, even with that vaunted Steelers defense. Um, another Watt brother getting a safety for the Steelers in this game. The Watts are just everywhere, destroying the NFL. But yeah, I mean, two touchdowns for Driscoll against, against that really good defense. But the Steelers' defense did enough. They forced turnovers. James Conner came back with a 100-yard game. Ben, Big Ben looked well again. I think he really, you know, the Steelers offensively, at least in the passing game, reminds me a lot of the Packers where you've got these veteran quarterbacks that are incredible and have done it all and, and can do everything. At least we've seen them be able to do everything. And then receiver-wise, they've got kind of one star. You know, Big Ben's got Juju Smith. Aaron's got Devontae Adams. But I think Rodgers and Roethlisberger, I think they really do like and trust these young receivers that are a part of the receiving core. Um, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool both caught t- touchdown passes from Roethlisberger yesterday for the Steelers, which is huge. If they're going to be as good as they think they can be, developing that receiving core and not just relying on Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a massive, massive point for them. Um, but it seems like Roethlisberger likes these young guys. They played well yesterday for him, and the Steelers got the W. Jan, I'm throwing it back to you before I do my final two games. Who else you got from the NFL? <laughs> well, I got one other. I got one other, my friend. And it was my big game for the weekend. It was the Sunday night showdown between the Patriots and the Seattle Seahawks. Obviously reminiscent of the Super Bowl where Russell Wilson threw it instead of giving it to Marshawn Lynch for God knows what reason. We'll never know. But 
It was a good game, and it did not let us down. Seahawks grabbing the win just barely, 35-30. to 30. I mean, there's a couple things to talk about here. <clears throat> I'll start with the losing team, my New England Patriots. I am so happy for, for the performance that I saw last night. I mean, Cam Newton looked like a star for the Patriots. He had 397 yards through the air, threw a pick, also threw a touchdown, 47 yards on the ground, another two scores, and connects with Edelman eight times for 179 yards. I mean, that is what you want to see. You want to see that throwing ability. You know, he also connected with Youngsters Bird and Nikhil Harry for 72 yards, a pop. That's going to be important for the Pats moving forward. Can he connect with the young receivers as well as Edelman, you know, in terms of throwing? And uh, yeah, he performed really well. There was one problem, though, Matt. He played against the best quarterback in the league, if not the best player in the league, in Russell Wilson. Five touchdowns, 288 yards passing. And that's just as a thrower. He lit up a good Pats defense. And regardless of what you want to say, it's not because the Pats defense is being overrated. It's because Russell Wilson is that good. It is that good. You should have watched the game. He outfoxed them on the line of scrimmage. It was crazy. I mean, he's the best player in the league for me. He's the early, he's the he's the clear MVP favorite for me. Seattle looks like a team that's that, you know, ha- is really you know, doesn't have a lot of contention. They do have that defensive issue. You know, they did let in a lot of points against the Patriots fine. But, you know, I think Russell Wilson has shown that he can really do it all, you know, and 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 Chris Carson's looking good out of the backfield as well. It was a battle of two rivals, you know. Cam was topped right at the end. He, he, he goes to the goal line when, you know, stopped on the goal line. It was a great game, two great teams, you know, and Pats are one and one and they should thoroughly contest the Bills for the AFC East. I think the Bills are still the favorite because of the, you know, the togetherness that they have with Josh Allen being at the helm a little longer. And I think the defense for the Bills is just as good, if not better than the Patriots. But it's definitely not the Bills to Bills uh, one legged race for sure. We thought it was going to be and it's definitely not. And uh, the Seattle Seahawks are 2-0 and and they're looking hot. They're looking hot. You know, they got the defensive issues that they need to work on fine, but I mean, I don't know who wants to go against them in the Super Bowl because they'll probably get there. To be completely yeah, honest, yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a good, it was a like good Sunday game. Not only I mean, is he going to win his first for, MVP, for me, he's going to win his first Super Bowl. Patriots MVP. performance. That's all I have to say about me, that. It was a hard loss. A lot more about that team sure. than play in the game hard, against. But the honestly, more than that, I, so many people were talking I, about how, how great Cam Newton looked in Week One and all this stuff. Like I said, 21-11 win against Miami. And I told the phone. So yes, you know, both, albeit both in a losing effort against Seattle, I was I was really impressed by the Patriots. I was impressed by their offense. Um, as you said, the defense. I mean, I don't think it's anything to worry about when you have uh, Russell Wilson going off in a primetime game like that. Like that. That's that's just going to happen sometimes. I don't really think that means your defense is like poor or anything. So I think that they'll be fine on that side of the ball. But yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots are are certainly a contender in the AFC East. I mean, when you think about the fact that you get four games against the Jets and the and the Dolphins, that should that should get you four wins. And from there, you should be able to to maybe uh, fight for for the seventh seed at the very least. But I think the Patriots are, are going to be in the playoff hunt. I'm so glad they listened to me yep. and signed Cam Newton only like three months after I told him to do it. I the one thing I will say about last night, I hated the final play call. And in those moments, in those moments, it's like. Whatever, and I hate when offensive like play callers do this. Like the play that you think, and that normally would be unexpected. Like yeah, like most of the time 
you don't run the ball with a quarterback in that situation. So like in the normal flow of your offense, that is a great unexpected play. But in those situations, one play to go, the unexpected becomes the expected. Like Seattle saw that coming the whole way. It was way too obvious. And you didn't oh, give Cam terrible, any, any choice. Terrible. Like give him, give him some ability to kind of make a play on that thing instead of just right up the middle. Like, you know, have, have a tight end fall out or put somebody out there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or at least Absolutely. disguise it somehow. But I agree. I like, agree with you. Also, on Russell with him Wilson, all game, I mean, and you want to expect said, that they're not going to just I've like get ready for Russell Cam to try to jump over. His first I mean, it was a terrible play. Train it was a terrible play call. All the way. I mean, and I can't blame himself. But I'm just like number one. Like I said at the same time, you know, not you guys a great telegraphed element. it to and them, so there's no way you were going to get through. They were all being win the Super Bowl in the same season. Number two, throwing well. Find well, the two games in the end zone, my friend. Second That's week it. of NFL That's action. The, the Titans moved to 2 0. 33-30 win over the Jaguars. This one surprised me quite a lot. Are the Jaguars like decent? Because the other game, the other game we haven't talked about yet is the Colts. And the Colts that's who the Jaguars beat, and the Colts spanked the Vikings. So the Jaguar, like the Jaguars might be an okay team. Um I think, I mean, I think it's partly that. And I think also the Titans just are, are the kind of team that's not really going to blow anybody out. Um, even in a game like this where Ryan Tannehill threw the ball a lot, I believe he had four passing touchdowns. Um, and it was more of a of an air attack than the ground game, which is normally the case for the Titans. But I think a little bit of Titans just aren't blowing out like a team that's going to blow people out. And I think the Jaguars are like, I, I think a lot of these Jaguars players too have, have a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, kind of this idea of like, oh, you know, like we're not good enough to even be traded. Like we're the guys that are just going to be part of this tank and everything like that. And I, I they're they're going to fight in every single game. I tell you what, they're they're definitely not going to be getting Trevor Lawrence. They will not have the top pick coming into next year. Not with the team they have, not with the way those guys are playing out there. And and you got to applaud them because coming into the year, everyone was just absolutely dumping on Jacksonville for kind of good reason. But they're one and one and just battled with, you know, the division winner from last year right down to the wire. So it's going to be, they're going to be an interesting team to, to keep an eye on throughout the season. As I mentioned before, the Colts did get the win over the team who I said needed a win this week, the Minnesota Vikings. And like they needed the win and they shit the bed. They did not get even close to winning. Yeah, it was it was yikes. Um, twenty eight to eleven victory for Indianapolis. Kirk Cousins eleven for twenty six, three interceptions, just horrible. Adam Thielen only three catches. Dalvin Cook in that running game keep on struggling. Sixty three yards on fourteen carries. He did get a touchdown, but teams' defenses are, are seeming seemingly being able they to key on that. Up. They and I think the Vikings too get down and then they stop running the ball. And they start making Kirk Cousins throw the ball around, and Kirk Cousins throws the ball to the other team. So the Colts get a nice win here. It really was a defensive and, and running the ball kind of win. 214 yards for Rivers. I think the Colts and the rest of the AFC South, it's all about just winning ugly. And in a division where the Texans don't look sharp and 
and you've got someone like the Titans and, and Jags, AFC South is, is going to be an interesting one. You got a lot of teams that, as I said, just just want to win ugly. So there's going to be some bloodbaths in the NFL for sure. Yeah, and I was thinking, I wonder, I wonder what your thoughts on this are as well. Say McCaffrey's out six weeks. I mean, the Panthers, the Panthers were gonna get we're gonna have one of the top five worst records in the league, regardless. Like they, they just were. Now you lose McCaffrey. Do you think there's any sense from them of like, well, why are we really rushing him back? Like there's there's no reason to rush him back competitively because you're not gonna be competitive. There's no reason to rush him back in the sense of like, oh, we've got fans paying for tickets to see our star player. And if you don't bring him back, you you probably have a worse record. You get a better draft pick, and you you save the legs of a guy who's been one of the most challenging matchups for NFL defenses the last couple of years. Right. I mean, you never want to think about, you know, it's hard. It's a hard sports decision for sure. I think in the next four to six weeks, Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to prove that he can win with this team. That's just the truth. He can't, they can't win because of Christian McCaffrey. He has to score the touchdowns either with his legs or with his arms. They do have good receivers. So I don't necessarily think it's a complete wash. If he can get DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson in the end zone as much as he can through the air, then I think the, I'm not saying they have a chance. They absolutely have no chance. But I think that they can get some positive results. If in four to six weeks, the Panthers have, let's say, four wins. You know, if they if they can really get some results because Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater proves to be better than we think <laughs> yeah, he is. That sounds then a lot I think, more likely. You know, Christian McCaffrey comes back and they contest for maybe a late seed, you know, because especially because the Falcons, they're always, you know, primed to lose with their defense. And, you know, the Bucks. Tom Brady's not looked good. So who knows what they're going to be, you know, with that team. So, and the saints have also not shown me that they're going to run away with this division. So I think there's a lot of questions with everything, but I agree. I think what's probably going to happen is they're going to lose at least four games from these next four to six weeks. Right. So at that point, you do ask yourself that question because it's also not like, Oh, we're worried. Christian McCaffrey is going to leap. He just signed like a contract. Like you're not worried about that. So you know, I, I'm kind of thinking, you know, they'll bring him back week 10, you know, and 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 they'll play him. You know, he's not going to sit on the sideline. That's not who Christian McCaffrey is. But yeah, I, I you know, I think you, you develop your team. You see what's going on, you know, let Teddy Bridgewater really air it out just for fun. See what he can do, you know, and, and bring Christian McCaffrey back when he's 110 percent healthy. There's no reason to rush him back. If they demoted him for uh, to the rest of the season, they should have a conversation with him. Be like, look, you know, you got two weeks before you can are eligible to come back. Let's talk about it. We've lost four games straight. We're not going to win this division. We're not going into the wild card. We don't want you to get injured further in this season because there's really no point. So can we convince you to just be out for the season? And we'll say, oh, you know, we don't want to. And then he'll probably fucking say, yeah because they'll have lost four fucking games straight, you know? So 
I think it's a it's a good conversation to have. Obviously, you never want to see it. You always want to see Christian McCaffrey out there. Obviously, fantasy owners are going to fucking be pissed if that happens. But you know, yeah, I think it's I think it is it is definitely something you ask yourself. For for me, yeah, I mean, I, that, I don't think it kind of how it's like what's plays. the point? I love you know, I, I think the Panthers have the same thing for the Dolphins. I'm, I'm, more, I'm you know, the Panthers I, have I was so many first things. Week, I was like, bring in Tua, bring in Tua. But do you um, want to bring in Tua? Do you want to fucking injure him in this season? I mean, just fucking red. I don't think matters. Fucking take the team until the last week. Put Tua in the last three weeks. Let him get some throws in. But don't I think throw you have to, to the consider dogs, it because you know, like, until running backs' end, careers are, are short. And you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey who's been, you know, could be generational. If you're able to save those legs just a little bit, because, I mean, then maybe you go get another top pick. You're able to start building up this, this Which defense. Is maybe, you know, my, I guess my question is, do the Panthers – do the Panthers have – is there anything Teddy Bridgewater could do this year where the Panthers would be like, you're our quarterback for the future? I don't think so. Um, so I think, you know, you probably – you sit with have, – have McCaffrey sit out and go get – go get Justin Fields, go get Trevor Lawrence, and, you know, maybe save save a little bit of Christian too because at the same time, you know, if you've got a healthy Christian McCaffrey for a young running – or for a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, that Christian McCaffrey makes the quarterback position job a lot easier when you're able to – Dink it down to him in a pass or a screen or just hand him off the ball. So, I, I mean, I think it'd be a, an interesting thing for the Panthers to to consider. And maybe not so much being like, all right, you're sitting on the bench for sure the rest of the year. But, you know, maybe be like, all right, we're not going to – I mean, you don't need to touch the ball 20 times. Yeah, I mean that's true. And honestly, I made that. No, I didn't. I didn't say it out loud. Right. I'm not claiming that it yeah. did. I mean, I. I but like, I, I I'll co-sign that that Teddy prediction Bridgewater. for you. That um, that the I Panthers think Teddy get Bridgewater can be. I, I will co-sign a starter that in sure. the NFL. Like, I, I mean, I, I think I they should. Totally do. You know, they're the team but that I, I think, look at, and I'm you know, like, you're a franchise, other than the Browns, if Baker got, Mayfield can't pick it up, you know, Teddy Bridgewater has to has to do a lot this year. Yeah, he's a great franchise like the Panthers. Stopper right now, be in the position to get a guy like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. You like we're gonna stick. You want Justin Fields? That's what you want. Just seems. It's it's a tough, tall task for for Mr. Bridgewater to try and uh, and accomplish. All right, Jan, we've talked over all the games. We've talked about the results, what we saw from each of them. Let's kind of do a little breakdown overview of what we're seeing out of the NFL. Tell me who are the best teams that you've seen so far in this early season. Yeah, I mean, Ravens and Chiefs are, are for sure up there. I think the Chiefs had an unconvincing win, but obviously it was more about Justin Herbert's coming out party than it was about them being bad. I think the Ravens, 
you were raving about them earlier. And while Lamar Jackson definitely did Lamar Jackson things and they were good, I think it had the win had a lot more to do with what the other team, you know, failed to do. The Texans, you know, failed to do than necessarily the Ravens were good at. So both of those I don't consider super convincing wins, but Ravens and Chiefs obviously up there 2-0 and like they deserve to be. You know, I love Seattle. Russell can do it all. He did it against the Patriots defense. Who can't he do it against? So I got Seattle up there as well. And, you know, we talked about them. I I like the Titans. I really like the Tennessee Titans. I do. Tannehill has shown that he can throw without too many mistakes. You know, Derrick Henry yeah, can yeah. run. Guskowski got over his kicking woes, actually won the game for them again. So that's always, you know, really good. And we're talking about a team without their top receiver right now. That's that's what the truth is. They don't have A.J. Brown. And so when A.J. Brown is back and healthy with him, with, you know, Corey doing better and kind of seeming like maybe he's ready to take over some of the responsibility with Jonu Smith, who's becoming like one of the top tight ends in the league, you know, a really – I mean, truthfully, I like they have yeah, so I many mean, weapons. Me, Adam Humphrey's yeah, doing yeah, well. Jason there. You know, the Ravens and, and, have to me been and that's team. not talking about Derrick um, Henry. And I'm they not sure it's, it's close. Their defense and we're talking about their throwing have made plays that's all scary. over the field. That's their running scary game is for the AFC. very, very tough. I like the Titans. With three different so running backs. And you got Lamar Jackson. Still, until they show me that I can Then it's Seattle. And I'm not then the entire NFC ranking, West. So I'm not going to say that. But teams I'm excited about Seattle and then Titans. The entire division looks good. The Cardinals, Seahawks, Rams, even the Niners, I think, will be a strong team this year. Um, going to be amazing if they're the worst team in this division a year after making the Super Bowl. But yeah, just that entire division just looks tough. Just looks like they can they can compete with anyone, you know? Um, they all do it in, in very, very different ways. So that'll be a fun one to keep an eye on. Um, I think I think all four teams, you know, have a legitimate chance to to make the playoffs. And then there's three teams for me that are, that are like kind of right there. I'm I'm just not. I th- I think they can break into being some of the best teams in the league, but they they got to show it to me a little more. First one is the Steelers. I mean, they look strong with at two and zero. Ben Big Ben looks healthy. Like I said, he likes that receiving core, but I just need to see a, a little more. You know against, you know, better opponents probably. They've gotten the Giants and then the Broncos with a backup quarterback. The Bills, Josh Allen, as I said before, absolutely racking up the stats. No turn, no no interceptions, six touchdowns. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, a blossoming relationship with Stephon Diggs. But kind of like the Steelers, haven't done it against the most convincing of opponents in the Dolphins and Jets. But they look good, and they got that great defense, so I think they're right there. And then my own Green Bay Packers uh, took it to the Vikings, who, who didn't look great in the second week either, um, but then also took it to the Lions. I mean, two dominating wins. That offense scoring lots and lots of points with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Um, and they're, they're, they joined the Steelers and the Bills as my teams that I'm like, I, I, think, I think they're legitimate contenders, but I'm just not quite totally sure they're, they're there yet. But they're certainly getting there.
Yeah, I agree. I agree with all those picks. Steelers need to play a team that you have to show me that Big Ben can outduel someone still because he hasn't had to. And that's kind of what I what I see. Can he still be that quarterback that outduels another quarterback in the fourth quarter? You know, and and I think the Packers are, you know, among there with the favorites of the NFC. It's not just that they've played bad teams. It's that they've clobbered, you know, bad teams. And that's like important as important as winning against good teams. So for me, Aaron Rodgers has shown that they can be up there. The Bills, I mean, how many points did they let in against the Dolphins this week, Matt? Yeah, that's too many for a defense. That's too many for the Bills defense. And I understand that, like, Josh Allen is racking up the stack, uh, you know, the stats and everything. But I, I yeah, really, if they, if this for them, I haven't, I, like, I don't consider, I, he's got a great rapport with Stephon Diggs. And like, he's shown that he can make less mistakes. And that I'd gives them a leg same, up. And I still think they're like, a top team the in the NFC like, But in terms of, I don't trust them yet until I see a game where they actually play a team that has any sense of what they're doing. The he Dolphins uses like a negative towards someone. I'm not going to give them like the Jets a positive, are the worst team like, in the So it's not just well, that they're not playing by more. competition. Um, they're playing the worst competition. So yeah, I think so I mean, kind of th- these two wins, thing. as you say, they're not the most convincing things, but it's a team in the Bills who have been working towards something, and I think those those steps after these two victories are, are still heading in the right direction and are heading you know, in a positive direction. So, so they still have ways to go. I mean, I'm not going to take – I'm not going to take the Bills over – the Ravens or the Chiefs right now, but that's probably true for everybody in the AFC. I, I'm just not sure there's anybody that's quite up to stuff with those two teams. Jan, let's talk about some of the best players we have seen so far. I'm going to give a couple. I'll let you you talk on a couple as well. The first one I want to talk about is a Green Bay Packer. It's Aaron Jones, right. as Absolutely. I said before. How did anyone like? Why did people think he was not going to be as good of a fantasy player? He is. He's still dominant. Three touchdowns on Sunday. Not only is he a great fantasy player still, but he's been integral to the Packers' offense. He makes that running game tick. But I think even more importantly, he's a three-down back because he can go. I mean, he made a catch yesterday on one of the cornerbacks that looked like a wide receiver. The guy is so so strong in the passing game, along with his ability to run both inside and outside the tackles. He's got 234 yards which is leading the league. He's got three touchdowns, which is tied for second, just behind uh, Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Dak's up there too, of course, after three touchdowns yesterday. But yeah, Aaron Jones has, has been just as good this year as he was last year for the Packers, uh, maybe even more so. We'll see what happens with Devontae. But been really, really impressed with Aaron Jones. I think he's been one of the best running backs in the entire league. Uh, my next guy I want to call out, Calvin Ridley. I mean, you mentioned earlier Julio Jones kind of struggling in that game against the Cowboys. Clearly didn't hurt the Falcons too much considering they scored 39 points. And part of that has to do with Calvin Ridley. <laughs> He's got 239 yards through two games, which is tied with Stephon Diggs for the most yards in the league. He's got four touchdowns. He's had multiple touchdown games in the first two games. The only player to do that. When the guys become the number one receiver in Atlanta. Uh, and it's, it's been kind of happened just kind of like that. You know, I think last year we were like, Oh yeah, Calvin's getting there. He's making the right way, but you know, there's Julio Jones and through two games so far, this has been Ridley's team as far as receiving goes. So really, really impressive out of Calvin Ridley. Clearly he's been learning something from his uh, fellow Alabama alumni and Julio Jones. Who are some of the guys that, that you've been keeping an eye on Yannick?
They did last. They did last. Yeah. Year. Well, you mentioned Aaron Jones has been on fire, Everyone and, and last year's like, like he's gonna slow down. I don't like, necessarily I don't think, think that you're gonna see this from him the rest of the season. I think that I think that Darren Olavsky was right on point in saying that the offensive line for Green Bay is is phenomenal, and I think that that has helped Aaron Jones a lot. And we'll see if it continues. I still think that Rodgers has to do his thing in order for this team to really win. I don't think that he's a running back that they can win solely on, but until he proves me wrong, until, until he, until he proves me wrong there, like, right, exactly, exactly. But at the same time, I, I, I recognize what he does in the first two weeks. I think that he looks pretty unstoppable right now for me, more impressive than his running was his catching ability. I think that third down back, is exactly you know what we wanted to see from him and uh and i think that's what's going to make him dangerous more than anything is that ability to pepper that in that really makes it really hard so he's definitely one of my best players so far i think the combination of kyler murray and deandre hopkins also two of my favorite players from the first two weeks i think it took zero time for them to get into get into gear i mean deandre hopkins was out with an injury at the beginning of you know the nfl even coming back so they really had no time and they've not missed a beat you know Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins having that ridiculous yardage game the first week and having the touchdown like this it. week. I like they are Jones. right in the cylinder. Tyler Murray. Yeah, my last uh, player expected him to. Also, the person the who I think is going to take home defensive player of the year. And I talked about him already, but Russell Wilson is the best the quarterback time in the league. Two brothers the have ever won right now. And until I can't imagine this happening. TJ Watt in the game to beat. He's going to join his brother as a defensive player of the year winner. He's got two and a half sacks right now. Actually, tied with Chase Young right now. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and you, and yeah, I mean, I, I think TJ Watt, he so many sacks. And I think really, you know, and we've seen that the Steelers defense against, especially like the Broncos, like 21 points, kind of more than you expect from the Steelers. It's a very good defense, but that defense needs to get pressure on the quarterback. And that starts and ends with TJ Watt, um, who I think, like I said, is going to be taking home the defensive player of the year. Jan, let's go to some players that have surprised you so far here in the early season. I mean, I had Calvin Ridley on this list. Obviously, he's one of the best players, but he surprised me with with just how much he's been able to take over this offense in the first two weeks. I mean, really showing his stuff, um, and that's been really good to see. Other player that I have on there, Cam Newton. Cam Newton, nobody thought that Cam Newton was going to come onto a team, let alone the Patriots, and take over and completely change what we think the Patriots are. You know, and and I think that he's done phenomenal. He's shown that he can run it 14 to 15 times in two different games in two different hard like running games and and kind of take over there. Showed it with his arm as well, connecting with his best receiver. I think that was a surprise for me as well. I did not expect him to be clicking that far with Edelman in week two. And number one, the combination of Gardner Minshew and James Robinson has the Jacksonville Jaguars as a good team. What is going on? Gardner Minshew, I mean, I just, why would you want another quarterback? He embodies you in Jacksonville. 
just take him. Take him as far as you can. He is he is just a delightful player. And he made some mistakes last game, fine. But, you know, I don't hold that too much against him. James Robinson showing that he can take over for Lennon Fournette. 102 yards, a touchdown. You know, those two players, they were both like, oh, we'll see. And <laughs> they took over. You know, no one thought correlate. James Robinson was going to be anybody. Well. You know, Leonard Fournette, he's going to be a running back by committee. Gonna, you know, especially with Chris crazy. in the backfield. Is, you, he's been playing really you well. You see he's things well like you've week, never seen this before. Week. I don't know. <laughs> I could see the Jaguars sneaking in. Yeah. I, I hate to say that, but I I can see them doing some damage. If the Titans, yeah, you know, play don't keep playing hey, the way they are, I'm, I'm that AFC South take. becomes real Hello. interesting. He's like an old person, an old person later kind of hot take. Like, hello, I, it's if hot one take time. Team, only if one team, though. If one team. I love I love making those takes. I also have another take though. While we're on takes, I have one take to make. This is my, and I'm announcing it like I usually do. This, this is yeah. Excuse me, I'm having a hot take. I think I that's very having... plausible. I mean, when the rest uh-huh. of your division, I mean, they're one and one, which isn't bad. But then the rest of the division all time two and zero. Hot take: The San Francisco uh, 49ers will not make the daunting playoffs. Task. That is my and hot funny. take. I think Garoppolo for the have to for the for the week. We're gonna have to see I some better quarterback play than we've seen that they have so far. Too hard. Um, They'll especially lose too like many times, and especially with the NFC that they've sustained. NFC division. Some of the surprises for me. I mentioned Josh Allen. Have to mention him again. I think he really has been impressive. We'll see. We'll see how far of a jump. The Bills really have made once they start playing some more competition, some better teams. There we go. Exactly. So we're going to start finally getting a better sense of of how far he, he's he's jumped. But he's gotten better. Um, and look, I mean, he's still thrown for 750 yards and has his team at 2-0. and And I've been impressed with Josh Allen. Staying defensively, I'm giving a little love to Adrian Claiborne, the veteran, the ex-Iowa Hawkeye. He's gotten a sack in each game. The Cleveland Browns, and I think he's a terrific guy for a young person like Miles Garrett Next week, to learn from. Next week they I mean, play Miles the Rams. There you go. Blessed, both just with his physical skill set and his strength and his quickness, and, and you know he's he's got all these these tools that you dream of a defensive end of having. And when you have all the physical aspects of a defensive end, when you get to learn from a veteran how to you know get kind of creative with it and get cheeky here and there, you can really start seeing the difference. Um, and a defensive player when when they mix not only the physical attributes, but knowing how the game is played. Uh, when they get those combined together, you can really start seeing those defensive players make an impact. Adrian Peterson. How about AP over there in Detroit? 134 yards through two games. He has not gotten on the score sheet yet, but he's averaging 67 yards a game. He's been a, a big part of that rushing game through two through two games, which I'm, you know, after he got cut from Washington, it was unclear if, if AP was even going to be playing again, but he's doing well for Detroit. And even as a Packer, after so many years of being terrified of watching Adrian Peterson with the ball, um, I do, I do appreciate him. He's been one of the best running backs in, in my lifetime. And it's, it's nice to see him still being able to, uh, to help out there up in Detroit. And then Robbie Anderson, the top receiver for Mr. Bridgewater, he's got 223 yards, a touchdown. You know, he he did a lot of good stuff in New York, and they just had a crappy offense. And like like Darnold couldn't get the ball to him, but he couldn't, you know. So I think obviously Carolina isn't really a Super Bowl contender, 
but you're seeing him with with a little more of a, a capable quarterback. And um, so far, so good for Robbie Anderson. He's doing real, real well down there in Carolina. Basically, yeah. with all this information, Bill O'Brien's going to get fired. Russell's going to take the MVP. TJ Watt's getting de- defensive player of the year. 49ers missing the playoffs. That's that's all you need to know. And that's NFL week two from me and Jan.